This is Soul Purpose, a podcast all about evangelism. Do you want to turn the hearts of the masses back to Jesus? This podcast deep dives into the practical aspects of pastoring your community. And now your host, Jonathan Laframboise. Well, welcome back to another episode of the Soul Purpose Podcast. We've got uh, more exciting content. Well, hopefully you're finding this content exciting. I know I'm enjoying doing these podcasts and hopefully you guys are enjoying listening to them as well. So today there's something that's uh, really been put on my heart by the Lord to talk about is actually uh, repentance. You know, we have today in the world a lot of people who... Um, are out there and street preachers and preachers on in pulpits and all over the place, you know, as we're living in this crazy world, you know, speaking about repentance, preaching on repentance, you know, and, and, uh, I remember the first time I was actually, uh, heard the word repentance, uh, you know, and, and it was so funny how this preacher was telling me to repent of my sins. You know, he was adamant, he was screaming, you know, on the streets and he's telling me to repent of my sins, you know, and, and uh, <laughs> it was so funny because I had no idea what the word repentance actually meant. The word repent, I had never heard it up until that point. You know, um, I didn't really grow up in, in in church. I grew up, you know, going to Catholic mass, but it's a little bit different. Didn't you know? They never really talked about repentance, and it's also all in French. So is I just never actually heard that word before. So I thought this street preacher was telling me to repaint. You know, he was telling me, repaint, repaint and turn to the Lord Jesus, repaint. And I thought, man, what does this guy want me to paint? And why does he assume that I was painting in the first place? I was so stinking confused as to why this guy wanted me to repaint. You know, and he kept on screaming, repent, but I kept on hearing repaint, repaint, you know, turn to the Lord Jesus and repaint. And uh, so I finally, I asked him, I was like, what do you want me to repaint? I am not a painter. I hate painting. What is it that you're trying to get me to do? And he says, turn to the Lord Jesus and repaint or repent. But I kept on hearing repaint. <laughs> so I had no sweet clue on what the heck this guy was telling me to do, you know, and uh, it wasn't until much later on, a few years later, where I actually gave my life to Jesus uh, and I found out what repentance actually meant. And, you know, so, but then I realized, you know, over the years, you know, so I started eating myself when I was younger, I'd be on the streets preaching the same message, telling people to repent, you know, and I'm wondering how many people actually heard me telling them to repaint or, or had no sweet clue on what repentance actually meant, you know, and I'm actually amazed sometimes too in the church where we actually don't fully understand what it means to repent as well, where we tell people to repent, but when you actually ask people, Hey, uh, what does repentance actually mean? And uh, this is some of the answers that I've heard over the years that people say, well, repentance is asking God for forgiveness. Now there is an element of that in it, but that's actually not what repentance means. Or people will say it's God forgiving you, or it's uh, feeling sorry for your sins and, and whatever else. And those are all true, but it really comes down to the foundation and the meaning of repentance is this, to change 
the way you think, to go into a different direction. That's the, the foundation of repentance. So it's not just asking God to forgive you, but it's actually changing the way you think, changing your thought process, going one way, turning around and going in the other direction. You know, so that's what repentance means. It's, so when we're telling people, you know, we're, we're preaching the gospel, you know, we're telling people to repent. You know, if people don't understand what repent means, then you're actually doing them no good. It's actually better for us to actually explain repentance versus telling people to repent. You know, and there's a, uh, especially here in, in Calgary, you know, there's a lot of street preachers, you know, who are screaming at people, telling them that, you know, they're, they're dirty sinners and all this stuff. And they're telling me one particular street preacher, you know, I hear him saying that calling people dirty perverts and pedophiles and Calgary's given over to like Sodom and Gomorrah and all these different things and saying, you need to repent and turn to the Lord Jesus Christ, you know, and you will never in a million years hear me arguing against the message of repentance. Repentance is so desperately needed. It's the foundational for our forgiveness. We have to repent, you know, to, to follow after Jesus. You know, but it's the method in which we share the message of repentance that needs to change. You know, and you read throughout the entire book of Acts, you know, when the apostles went out preaching and, and the word repentance was at the end of their message. You know, they would share about who God is, you know, why he came. He'd share about the remittance of sin, you know, and he says, and then they said, therefore repent. You know, it's always at the end of a display of who God is. The message wasn't centralized around the repentance, but the, 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 the call to action of the message was for people to repent, you know, and then in the first century, you know, when the book of Acts and the gospel was uh, written, you know, and, and the, the apostles and Jesus walked on the earth, you know, in the first century, repentance, the term, the word repentance was a common term used. It was part of vernacular. You know, people is, that society was very religious, you know, whether it's talking to the Jews or the Greek pagans, they're all a religious society. They valued uh, their deities. They valued religious practice. Atheism really wasn't a thing. You know, they had multiple gods. And also repentance was a, a part of uh, everyday vernacular, you know, so, but today, this day and age where we live in a atheistic society at large, you know, and, and our terminology is no longer, uh, embracing, um, words like repentance or sanctification, or even some parts, even forgiveness is a little bit of a, sometimes a foreign term for some individuals, you know? So, we have to change our tactics and our approach on how we share Jesus and we share the message of repentance. You know, we actually got to display it. So, but, so in the book of Acts, like I was saying, is the, the central theme of the gospel being preached was on the character, nature, and the goodness of God. You know, it changed from the Old Testament where you went around destroying idols, a prophet would kill the prophets of Baal, you know, and they're tearing down idols and all these different things. Because you look in the book of Acts, Paul on Mars Hill, you know, he, he says he was grieved in his spirit. He was grieved that the city was given over to idols. He was grieved about it. You know, so he walks around these idols and then he sees an idol devoted to the unknown 
God, to the unknown God. You know, and Paul begins to think to himself, he says, I can use this to preach the gospel. So he starts preaching and he, he actually compliments the people. He says, I perceive that you are a spiritual people, you know, because I see all these idols. And he says, I've noticed one. This is the John paraphrase version of, 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 of the Bible. And he says, I perceive that you're all very spiritual. You know, you have all these idols. And he says, and I noticed that there's this one idol that is dedicated to the unknown God. And then he continues on. He says, I know who that God is. Let me tell you about him. And then he finishes off his message with repentance. But first he introduces Jesus. And this is all based out of the concept of it's found in Romans chapter 2 in verse 4. It says, it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. See, it's the goodness of God that lays a foundation for the call to action of repentance. You know, in any message that we preach, you know, any time we share that, whether you're preaching from a pulpit or you're street preaching on a corner with a megaphone or you're sharing the gospel with someone, your coworkers, your friends, your family members, or some random stranger that you met on the bus, it doesn't matter when you preach the gospel, there has to first be a display of the goodness of God. There has to be a, an explanation of the goodness of God, whether it's the talking about how Jesus died on the cross for your, our sins or how God himself is love. There always has to be a display of the goodness of God a verbalization of the goodness of God so that the, the foundation can be laid so someone could stand upon that foundation, be convicted of their sins because Holy Spirit is the one who convicts us of our sins, not you and I, but Holy Spirit does the convicting according to John chapter uh, 17. It says the Holy Spirit, when he has come, he will convict the world of sin, righteousness, of and of judgment. So it's not something that we are going to do, but it's the Holy Spirit is going to do it. So our message that we have to do is display the goodness of God. Sorry, that was John 16, not 17. John 16 um, says that uh, the Holy Spirit will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and of judgment. And that's John 16, verse 8. So we just got to lay the foundation uh, of the gospel, of the truth of the gospel, of how Jesus died for us. Right? And then we move into the message of like saying, hey, you just need to repent. Change the way you think. Change the way you see your sin. Change the reality, the perspective of how dangerous sin actually is because sin leads to death. Oh, man. It says when sin has fully matured, it brings death. So unchecked sin you know, will, will, will allow itself to go into maturity. You know, so in, in, our, in our approach to the gospel as well is, you know, not only do we share the goodness of God, but we, we do have to bring that message of repentance as well. I know sometimes that message gets a bit of a bad rap, you know, because of people abusing and, and taking their Bibles and smacking over and over people's heads and telling them to repent. But we do, that message is imperative. You know, and it says this, you know, because we... You know, we, we hear a lot of people, I do anyways, I hear a lot of street preachers, you know, condemning people for their sin. Uh, you know, but here's the reality of it all, is the sinner is not condemned per se for their individual sin, but more so on the fact that they haven't received Jesus. That is 
ultimately what is the barrier between them in heaven and them in eternal life with Jesus is the fact that they have not received Jesus, that their sins have not been forgiven. Everything else, the type of sin, the the, uh, the nature of sin is, is a byproduct, is, is secondary, I should say. It's secondary to the fact that they haven't received Jesus. That should be the most important thing, is that they have not received Jesus. Because when we call when we condemn people of their sin who aren't saved, and we condemn them of their sin, we're actually bringing in judgment upon them. And, and Paul says in Romans 2, he says, if we judge people of their sin, we will be found guilty as well of their sin. If we judge them for their sin, we ourselves will be guilty of their sin. And then when we preach repentance, we tell people to repent without having the foundation of the goodness of God first laid, we're actually calling for a behavior modification, behavior modification, which is not repentance and does not last. Because behavior modification is man entering into his own fleshly efforts to change something that they're doing to seem more pleasing. You know, that only lasts for a couple of weeks, a couple of days, maybe a couple of months. You know, if you're really dedicated, maybe a year. But even then, you know, if, you, if the heart does not change, there is no repentance. There is no repentance. So the heart has to change. You know, and one thing you have to realize in the midst of sin, you know, God is not sitting there condemning the individual for the sin, you know, because the Bible says that while we were still enemies to God, Jesus died for us. You know, and then again, in Romans chapter 5 and in verse 20, it says, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. So that as, uh, in verse 21, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through the righteousness of the eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's absolutely amazing that when there is sin, when sin enters into someone's life, the Holy Spirit comes, God comes, and he brings grace. There is grace. Now, what is grace? Grace is the ability to get you where you need to go. It's the unmerited favor from God. It's the empowerment to take you from one place to the next place. That empowerment to take you from a place of sinful living and drag you and bring you out into the righteousness of God, into a deliverance, into a salvation. It's the grace, it's the empowerment to take you from one location to the next location. It's to take you where you need to go. So when people are sinning, you know, whether it's part of the LBGTQ plus or whatever the abbreviation is now, uh, all the way to the, uh, the, you know, the, the, uh, the sinner of, uh, somebody sins on their, cheats on their taxes or cheats on their, their spouse or, or is an abusive or a murderer. It doesn't matter the sin where there is sin, there is grace. We can't judge people according to their sin, but we must move and act upon the grace of Jesus, the grace of God that is there for us. So it's a goodness of God. So when, if we don't display goodness and ask people, have a call to repentance, we're looking for behavior modification. But it's, you know, when, when we're realizing when that person does sin, 
There's grace that is there. So we can begin to share the gospel, share the truth of the gospel into someone's heart. And, and you pray and you hope and believe that Holy Spirit will touch their heart. The same way how in Acts chapter 2, you know, it says, while Peter was still speaking. Um, let me find this verse for you here. Um, in Acts chapter 2, what you're hearing is my, my pages of my Bible turning. Um, and let's see if I can find this verse here. Oh, I can't seem, seem to find this verse that I'm looking for. Uh, but it says, while Peter was still speaking, it says they were cut to the heart. In Acts chapter 2, it says they were cut to the heart. You know, and, it says, and then they ask, he says, what should we do? And then Peter replies, it says, repent and be baptized. Right? So it's, 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 it's you know, it's, it's, you need to trust that Holy Spirit's going to actually touch the individual's heart. Because only Holy Spirit can actually lead someone into repentance. The Bible says that human sorrow, that, that, uh, that, that man's sorrow produces death, but godly sorrow produces life. Right? So we need to actually allow Holy Spirit to come and convict people of their sin. You know, that, that he may bring in that life, right? Because when we preach the gospel, we lay that foundation of goodness, then we have the call to action for repentance, and it produces the life of God inside of someone. We can't do that ourselves. You know, now there's a big difference between someone being convicted of their sins, you know, and asking God to forgive them versus feeling ashamed of their sins. See, conviction will say this, I did something wrong. I need to turn to God. Shame says I am something wrong. You know, and shame will always pull you away from Jesus. But conviction will always draw you closer to Jesus. See, even as believers, sometimes we experience this where we need to repent. When we, as believers, sin, we need to repent, you know, and realize that that sin is destructive. But shame will pull you away from God. You know, that shame will tell you, this is how you know that you're, you're acting in shame and condemnation versus conviction, where shame will tell you you are no good, you can't go to God, and you actually hide yourself away like Adam did in the Garden of Eden. You know, it says in, in, in the Garden that God came, and God didn't just immediately kick out Adam out of the Garden, but he had a conversation with him. You know, he says, hey, Adam, why were you hiding yourself? God knows what's going on. But he's giving Adam an opportunity to actually, I believe he's giving Adam opportunity to ask for forgiveness. You know, it wasn't until Adam blamed his wife, blamed Eve, and says, it's your fault, God. It's the woman you gave me. She's the one who caused all this to happen. It wasn't until that uh, he blamed Eve, then God goes, okay, you know, I got to kick you out of the garden now. But I really wonder if Adam would have come you know, and, and, and cast away shame and said, God, I'm so sorry. I did what you told me not to do. Can you forgive me? Can you remove this shame from me? Can you remove my sins from me? I wonder what would have happened. I genuinely wonder what would have happened because in Isaiah 11, uh, uh, the Lord says, come, though your sins are as scarlet, let us reason together. Let us reason together. God is so merciful. Even in the Old Testament, you know, we see it, this mercy and this goodness intertwined everywhere, you know, but uh, 
you know, sometimes we just see the, the wrath of God in the Old Testament, but there's so much of the goodness of God in that as well. There's so much of God's mercy as well. You know, you look at Abraham, you know, he, he reasons with the Lord, you know, for 50 righteous, will you not spare the city? Yes, I will for 50, for 40, for 30, 20 and 10, you know, and if he would have brought it right down to one, you know, if and he said, if you would, would you spare it for my, my nephew Lot? I believe the Lord would have spared it just simply uh, because of Abraham's request, you know, because God is merciful. He is love. He is goodness. So we need to allow Holy Spirit to move and trust that he will move upon our words, move upon our gestures of love towards people, you know, and, and, and present repentance of the call to action to repentance only after the goodness of God has been displayed. You'll even see in Mark, the book of Mark, I believe it's chapter 6, where it says the disciples went out preaching repentance, you know, preaching a message of repentance and healing the sick and casting out demons. See, the healing of the sick and the casting out of demons shows the goodness of God. So we have to begin to show, whether it's through displays of miracles, signs, and wonders, we got to show the goodness of God, or it's feeding someone, taking them in, hearing them out, letting them process with you, developing that relationship, not judging them, but being there for them. And you will see people will be drawn in uh, to, to Jesus. Jesus said, if I am lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. How do we lift up Jesus? We love individuals in the name of Jesus. We begin to lift him up. We begin to display who he is for the world to see. And we just begin to draw, he begins to draw people and pull on their hearts when they see the, the displays of power, they see the displays of the miraculous, they see the displays of love, and they see, they see experience the character of Christ in you. They experience the fruit of the Spirit in you. What's the first fruit of the Spirit? Love. Love. Love is not necessarily an emotion. It is a fruit. Let the world eat of the fruit of the spirit that you display. Be patient with them. Be kind with them. Long suffer with them, you know, and, and love on them. Be meek. Be gentle. You know, if you begin to adopt that nature and that character and the fruit of Christ in your life and you extend that to other people around you, people will see the goodness of God in you. And then when you tell them about Jesus, they're going to want to listen. Then when you tell them that they need to repent or change the way they think, turn from their sins and trust in Jesus, it's going to make a whole lot easier for them to want to turn to Jesus because they're going to see the goodness of God in your life and the benefit that they have from it, from seeing you in action, whether it's through supernatural acts or just acts of loving kindness. Because ultimately, we just need to trust in the Lord that he's going to move on people's hearts as we partner together with Holy Spirit. And that's just going to make all the difference in the world. You know, and the reason why we call people to repentance and why sin is so bad, because this is what sin is. Sin is saying that I trust more in my abilities to see my need fulfilled than trusting in Jesus. That's what sin is. That's why sin is so devastating to our relationship with God, because we tell the Lord, I don't trust you to provide for me in this particular area. I trust more in my own ability to see fulfillment in X, Y, Z, whatever it is. 
But Jesus is our all in all. He's the author, uh, the finisher of our faith. He's the alpha and the omega. He is everything. He is everything. He is the I am that I am. He is the creator. He is the lover. He is the comforter. He is everything. He's judge as well. He's also our vindicator. He's our righteousness. He's our provider. He's our healer. Doesn't matter what circumstance you are going through right now. Jesus is the answer and has the solution. He also has the answer and the solution to the sin problem in the world. And that was the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. He also has a solution to all of the world's problems. Doesn't matter what your coworker, your neighbor, your friend, your random stranger that you just met on the bus or on your way to work. Jesus has the answer for all of their problems. And we need to bring that message of hope to them. You know, displaying the goodness of God and bringing people into repentance, into a fulfilling relationship with Jesus. Oh, praise God. Oh, man. I think our time is up right now. I hope you guys got something out of this. Let me pray for you before we end this podcast. Father, I thank you that you are our all in all, that everything is provided for us and to us through you, Jesus, that you want to show us your goodness. He said it's your Father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom of God. So Lord, I thank you that you want to see us move in love and kindness and power and authority more than we ever could. So Lord, I pray right now for everyone listening, Lord, that you open doors of opportunity to expand your goodness to those around them, Lord, in Jesus' name, that they would have the gospel burn in their hearts and they would just begin to open doors of opportunity to share your love with them in Jesus' mighty name. Well, God bless you guys and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Soul Purpose Podcast. If you liked this content, be sure to follow and subscribe. Listen in every other Wednesday for more on how to turn the hearts of the masses back to Jesus.